The Chris Cast is recorded live in front of no audience. Welcome one, welcome all. Here we go with another thrill-packed episode of the Chris Cast. And joining me through the Spotify for Podcasters app is Paul. Say hello, Paul. That's not what that says. What is it? See, Paul is just back to his stupidity ways and now he's just in Timberlake, as I would use the finger quotes if you could see me. <laughs> oh, say hello, Justin. No. It's gonna it's gonna be May. <laughs> still a couple months early. Yeah, a little bit. <clears throat> we got two full months and about half of this one to go through. Yeah, this year's flying by, dude. Uh, not really. What is that squeaking? My hand. I'm trying to hold the iPad, and it's not doing too well here. There. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's go on with the food product and get this show underway. First up, this is from USA Today. Coke with a twist. What is Coca-Cola spiced, and when can you try it? The new offering is Coke's boldest tasting brand innovation yet, says the company about the new flavor. It includes notes of raspberry and spices. The new flavor comes in regular and no sugar. Let's see when it's, it was announced earlier this month. don't know if it says when it's coming. Oh, across the country on Monday, February 19th. So it should be on shelves today as we record. I was in Bilo today. No, Bilo. Was it Bilo? No. Food Line. I was in Food Line today and I didn't see it. But then again, I wasn't really looking for it either. But Well, you're squawking again. I... Food, Food Lion made me mad because the, of the last time I checked, which was last week, the Jimmy Dean website said that they had the egg and cheese biscuit roll-ups at Food Lion. I've been to two of the Food Lion locations here in Morganton. Neither one of them has them on the shelf, and there's not a tag on the shelf for them. And this was after Walmart stopped carrying them, then I found them at Ingles, and Ingles stopped carrying them, and now Food Lion has apparently stopped carrying them. Hmm. I rely on those for my breakfasts in the morning because they're quick and easy. And I need something that I can make fast and eat fast as I'm getting ready for work. And what were those, Jimmy Dean what? Jimmy Dean biscuit roll-ups, egg and cheese flavor. Is it making that noise still? Somewhat. It's not as bad as it was, but... I'm putting my... ...for it completely. The microphone. Well, now it's not doing anything, so it's good there. Okay, so. But the the biscuit roll-ups, they're really tasty. You can, it's like, I'll put them on for 33 seconds, flip them over, and then put them on for another 30 seconds, and they're ready to eat. Mm. Two biscuits. But nope, can't find them now. Do y'all have a Publix there? No. This is Morganton. Oh. We ain't high scale like that. (laughs) 
But moving on back to the food, Wingstop is bringing back hot honey rub just in time for Valentine's Day is what it says on here. It was the February 8th article, but it's back and it's through a limited time. I don't know if it says when it ends. Because I saw when I, the different article I pulled up said May, I think. Yeah, don't say on this article, but I'm, I think it's there until May. So, you know, even if I ate meat, this would not be up my alley because I don't do hot. But the hot honey rub is back. I think one of my coworkers got some the other day, and they said it was really good. Uh, I'll have to take their word for it because, like I said, I will not be eating it. But moving on, Taco Bell apparently had a Moss Live event, Live Moss Live, and announced all kinds of new stuff for 2024. And this is from the Taco Bell website. It says, bringing bold new flavors through a new menu, the Cantina Chicken Menu. The Cantina Chicken Menu debuts a new flavorful chicken that's been oven-roasted, shredded, and packed with a savory season of Mexican spices, including pasilla and other varieties of chilies. Also, the menu adds all ingredients, including a white corn taco shell in addition to the breads the brand sauce packet lineup avocado verde salsa the menu adds five items that will soon be available nationwide to satisfy any craving any time of day including the cantina chicken burrito cantina chicken taco soft or crispy cantina chicken quesadilla and the cantina chicken bowl uh, mm. The newest menu items include Cheesy Chicken Crispinata. Arriving to menus nationwide on February 15th, the Cheesy Chicken Crispinata consists of tender chicken marinated and slow-cooked with garlic, tomato, and onion, combined with a harmonious blend of Monterey pepper, jack, cheddar, and mozzarella cheeses, all tucked inside a delicate pastry dough, crisp to perfection. The menu item takes inspiration from the beloved empanada and is fused with the Taco Bell flavors fans already love. Crispy Chicken Nuggets. That's right. Taco Bell is bringing yet another chicken intervention in crispy chicken nuggets, which consists of all white meat chicken marinated in spiced jalapeno buttermilk before being breaded in a tortilla coating and fried to a crispy glory. Fans can choose from two new delectable sauce options, signature bell sauce crafted with tomatoes, red chilies, onion, and garlic, or the hot and sweet jalapeno honey mustard featuring sweet honey mustard with a kick of jalapeno. Cheesy street sound good. Well, there's cheesy street chalupas feature a cheesy flatbread with a small tortilla that is stuffed generously with a mouthwatering blend of mozzarella and pepper jack cheeses and fried together, then filled with a choice of slow roasted chicken or savory grilled marinated steak, a flavorful sauce, and topped with a layer of diced onions and cilantro. Each order will come with two cheesy street chalupas. Mountain Dew Baja Blast Gelato. Taco Bell fans ask, and now the brand is delivering. First tested in 2023, the delectable gelato will be making its nationwide debut, giving fans more ways to celebrate the Baja Blast 20th year anniversary. The creamy and delicious treat is infused with the iconic Baja Blast tropical lime flavor and is a perfect complimentary addition to any cheesy, spicy, saucy order on the Taco Bell menu. 
cheesy enchilada dipping taco. Building up the success, building on the success of last year's grilled cheese dipping taco, Taco Bell is introducing a new version that adds inspiration from enchiladas via the cheesy enchilada dipping taco, featuring slow roasted chicken and a layer layered enchilada dipping sauce. Dolce de leche cinnamon delight, cinnabon delights. Taco Bell is bringing more flavors to the iconic Cinnabon Delights with a new Dolce de Leche flavor. Sounds like they're revamping their whole menu. Well, there's, there's more, and I'm not. I'm just going to read the introduction and then read the names on it, because there's a lot of stuff on here. So, already known for iconic collaborations, Taco Bell is stacking 2024 to be a year full of bold partnerships with powerhouse brands and artists to co-create new and unique menu items and put an unexpected spin on some classic favorites. Those include Cheez-Its, Tahine, Secret Aardvark, Disha Hot, Salt and Straw, and Beekeeper Coffee. And then there's music at Live Moss Live, the Bell Awards, about Taco Bell Corp in this article. But that is the Taco Bell, the article is titled Taco Bell puts all their 2024 cards on the table at Live Moss Live event in Las Vegas, which is on their website, tacobell.com. So if you want to read about the rest of them, you can, but like I said, that's a lot to keep reading for one brand. Well, that's the young brands bringing their, bringing it, I guess. Uh, it definitely sounds like some tasty options on there, but I'm just not big on spice, so a lot of it is already out for me. A lot of cheesy this, cheesy that, cheesy this. Well, with Mexican, what what are you gonna do, really? Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be cheesy because for one thing, you need the dairy to kill the spice on some of it. But moving on from BusinessWire.com, Circle K, Warner Brothers, and Legendary Pictures team up to bring Godzilla X Kong. The New Empire to Life with Limited Edition lineup. And there's one thing in this that does catch my eye. I'll read over the, the options. It says new products include two Froster flavors, Kong Crush and Godzilla Blast, an alluring color-changing Froster Cup, the craveable Kong Breakfast Slamwich, towering with triple the meat and double the cheese. And this is the one that caught my eye. Especially crafted Titan Toffee Crunch Chocolate Bar. Sounds delicious. It does sound good. But so fans of Godzilla versus Kong or Godzilla X Kong might want to check out Circle K. As Paul keeps shuffling things around over there. I can't help it. I'm holding the iPad. I don't have nothing to stand for it. Now you're squeaking again. Sorry. Oh, you know, we talked about the Cinnabon at Taco Bell. Wendy's is not to be outdone. This is from FoxLA.com. Wendy's to add Cinnabon pull apart to breakfast menu. Ooh. So, you know, everybody wants those. It says, I'm not going to read any of the article other than this part right here. The, the Cinnabon pull-apart starts appearing as an option on Wendy's breakfast menus around the country on February 26th. Wendy's restaurants typically offer breakfast until 10.30 a.m. 
So I think we all know what the Cinnabon full of arts are going to be, so there's no really reason to read any further, but the February 26th, for those interested, at breakfast. Next up, Paul, I have a feeling you're going to like these next two that I'm talking about. First up is from southernliving.com. Hostess just announced the sweetest mashup of beloved treats. Hostage just announced a sweet mashup between honey buns and donuts. Mm. So you can get your honey bun donuts if you want them. Let's see if it says when to expect them. I'm guessing you're a fan of that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew you. Honey bun donuts will be available in a single serve package and by the bag if you're willing to share at stores nationwide. But it doesn't say a date or when. They're just going to tease us. But it may already be out early March. There it is. Snack Food just Snack Food Giant just announced that they'll be releasing an iconic mashup in early March. One that is sure to fly off grocery shelves and find its way into the back seat on every long weekend road trip. Meet honey bun donuts, soft bite-sized donuts made with the warm cinnamon and sweet vanilla glaze of flavor of honey buns. They could be good. I'm not sold on it yet. Gives me some donuts. Well, I got something better. And what? how often do you hear me say that about Krispy Kreme? Mm. This is also from SouthernLiving.com. Krispy Kreme partners with Hershey's for new Choco Mania collection. But it looks like it's going to be sugar overdose again, so there goes that. But it's Hershey's Galaxy Brownie, a donut filled with Hershey's special dark fudge cream dipped in chocolate icing, and topped with crunchy brownie pieces and rainbow sprinkles. Hershey's Black and White Chocolate Chip Dream, a glazed donut dipped in white icing and drizzled with chocolate icing and mini chocolate chips. Hershey's Chocolate Cake Overload, a fudge cake donut dipped in milk chocolate icing and decorated with a dollop of dark chocolate fudge buttercream dollop. And finally... Hershey's Chocolate Iced, a glazed donut dipped in milk chocolate icing and decorated with a chocolate drizzle as Paul is once again squawking over there. Sorry. Um, just just put it in your lap or something. I, it'll be like that then. That's fine. If you need to look at me, you can look at me, but because people out there don't need to see your face because they're not going to see your face, so... It'd just be easier that way. Or if you want to set it on the table or whatever, and then if you need to get... There's no table. Do what? There's no table. Oh, well, then there you go. But if you can see it, I'll show you the picture. You'll see what I'm talking about. It just looks like your typical extreme sugar overload of Mm. Krispy Kreme. Oh my god, that looks so good. That's why I don't like 
Krispy Kreme so much is because they're just too freaking sweet. I get diabetes from just eating one. I mean, it's it's not a good thing. I don't care what they want to say. The the amount of sugar they put in their donuts is ridiculous. And I guess that's why people around here love them because you go to tea, to get an iced tea in restaurants around here and half the time I have to get half and half, half sweet, half unsweet because it's just way too freaking sweet everywhere. You just need enough sweet to kill the sour or the bitter. That's why you always get like Always get like Dr. Pepper or something. See, I don't do sodas. Mm. And, and I will say, I would rather it be too sweet than not sweet enough. Because too sweet, I can add unsweet and get it to where I want it to taste. And let me just tell you, Abelie's love the restaurant, but their sweet tea is really sweet tea. So I always order half and half there. Yeah. But now if it's a flavored tea, the sweetness doesn't bother me as bad. Like a peach tea. Well, peach, raspberry, blueberry, whatever, watermelon, which I'm not a really big watermelon tea fan, but but one final food menu item that I've got is from PR Newswire. Hubba Bubba adds new Skittles flavored mini gum to iconic bubblegum lineup. I'm out altogether because I'm not chewing gum, but what about you? Are you going to try the Skittles mini gum from Hubba Bubba? I'm physically able. I cannot chew chewing gum. You're squawking again. That's I'm physically able, cannot. Nope. Hold on. <laughs> That's better than what the squawking, so. I am physically able, not able. I can't chew chewing gum. Yeah. I don't chew it because animal byproduct, you know, but. There's animal byproduct in chewing gum? Yep. Like what I can't kind? remember exactly what it was, but. I thought it was just gum from a gum tree. Going to Google what animal products are in chewing gum. However, some chewing gums may contain the following animal products. Gelatin, stearic acid, oleosterin, lanolin. Most modern gums are based on a synthetic equivalent, a rubbery material called polyisobutylene. This is also used in the manufacture of inner tubes. So if you want to chew on some rubber... You go right ahead. But <laughs> I'll I'll continue to not chew gum. I just one I never really cared much for it, but I, there's really no reason that I need to chew gum. Didn't we cover a couple of weeks ago or something about uh, yipe stripe fruit stripe gum closed the doors? Yeah, they're they're no longer pro- producing the product. The kangaroo chewing gum or whatever it was. Not kangaroo, but the zebra. And they were a great gum for two seconds. Yeah. 
but that was the problem. Did you have any food items you wanted to talk about? Um, no. Well, moving on then, you know, we talked about the insomnia caused by COVID. Yeah. We got something else they found COVID causes. What? This is from the LA Times. Risk for chronic fatigue soars among those who had COVID-19, according to a study. People who have had COVID-19 have a significantly higher risk of suffering chronic fatigue than those who haven't had the disease, a new study published Wednesday shows. Our data indicate that COVID-19 is associated with a significant increase in new fatigue diagnoses, according to the study published by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the Journal Emerging Infectious Diseases. Physicians should be aware that fatigue might occur or be newly recognized more than a year after acute COVID-19, the report said. Specifically, the study looked at electronic health records of more than 4,500 patients in Washington state who had COVID-19 in 2020 and 2021 and compared them to patients who had COVID. The study found the risk for chronic fatigue was more than four times greater in those who had the illness. Scientists also looked at a more broad definition of fatigue, which includes chronic fatigue as well as diagnoses of weakness and malaise, the study found that the risk of fatigue among COVID-19 patients was 68% higher among people who've had COVID than those who hadn't. Among the 4,589 COVID-19 patients in the study, scientists identified 434 as, quote, incident fatigue cases in which the person was diagnosed with fatigue after recovering from COVID-19. Of those, 81 were also identified as having chronic fatigue, which is a subset of general fatigue. The risk of chronic fatigue after COVID-19 was more common among women, older people, and those who had other medical conditions, the study said. So, again, it's not just like the flu. There's a lot going on with this disease that we still have not found. They're still going to find new things that it causes because it does wreak a job on the body. Well, I could have told them that. Causing fatigue. Yeah, I've had it three times, and I don't have chronic fatigue yet. So hopefully, I won't. But you know, I had it twice in a year after I got the Pfizer vaccine. Pfizer may work for other people, but I will not go back to it. Moderna, Moderna. That's what I. That's what I got this year, and that's what I'll be getting from now on. The Dolly Parton one. But, but yeah, like I said, be aware that COVID is more than just a short illness. This thing has long-term implications. And oh, yeah. Remember, this version of COVID was discovered in 2019. As far as viruses go, that is not even a newborn. It is so early in the development of this virus. We don't well, also, know. Also, I think it's mutated. Oh, it has. And it's going to continue to mutate. And they thought it was mutating itself out, but it's not doing that. No. 
I think it's blending itself in more with the flu virus than anything. Yeah. Because They're, the people that are getting diagnosed with the flu can't really tell if they have the flu or if they have COVID unless they go get tested. I'm I'm wondering what it does to the immune system too. Because you know, I've had two illnesses could not be figured out. One, you'll remember back the summer, my lymph nodes swelled so much they were like a golf ball on the side of my neck and my throat was about closed from the swelling. I remember that. And it was never could figure out anything. When I went to the doctor, one of the first questions was, could it be an STD? And I was like, no, there's no way it could be an STD. So there was no figuring out what it was. Everything they tested for came back negative. I'm just tending to him. Are you okay? No, no. Yeah. Are you okay? But, I think you had. But do you Let's have any see. other scientific stuff, or shall we move on to entertainment? No, I don't have any scientific stuff. Because okay, it's baby? it's really been kind of a slow two weeks for news. I mean, obviously, there's been huge news, that, like political stuff and the shootings and. Because there was a shooting in a Waffle House. There was a shooting at the Kansas City game. There's been other shootings, but we're not getting into all that. It's just, as far as the news that we typically discuss here, it's been pretty slow. Did you see the the list of presidents put out today? Yes, I shared that on Facebook. I saw Biden was 14. Dead last. Yeah, Biden ranked number 14 out of all the presidents and Trump ranked dead last. And that wasn't done by Democrats or anything. That was done by actual historians. That's hilarious. And quite honestly, it's looking better and better for Biden against Trump all the time. Because, you know, the new shoes were unveiled. Trump made a surprise appearance and got booed and had chance of let's go Biden shouted at him by the crowd in Philadelphia. Like, Philadelphia of all places. Pennsylvania is a... What shoes? Have you not seen that? He's been all over Facebook and everything. He introduced a pair of sneakers that are gold that are $399 a pair. They're Trump shoes? They're they're not exactly Trump shoes, but let's see what we can pull up here. Trump's high top sneakers sell out hours after launch. Are we surprised? But they are gold. They have a T on the side, and they have the American flag on them, which is disrespectful to the American flag, if you recall. Those are hideous. Now let me guess. Those yes, are made are. in China. I don't know if it even says, but they were unveiled at SneakerCon. And you know who's buying them. It's not common people who, or it's people who are going broke, not putting food on the table to buy these damn shoes because they're heroes selling them, which oh, I God. don't understand. He, he also lost big in New York. Of course, he's appealing the decision, but find, what was it, $1,000? 
$354.9 million for fraudulent business practices, cannot operate any business in New York for three years. His two sons cannot operate any business in New York for two years. My friend Brian, who does a lot of political stuff, he listens to our podcast, and he told me, he said, in order for Trump to appeal, he has to put cash money up front to be able to do it. So he has to put whatever the money he is fined for, plus 20% on top of it, up front just to appeal. So he's going to come up with $420 million liquid cash to put up for it to be able to appeal. Well, and unfortunately, he said, he'll probably get it because some idiots have started a GoFundMe to help him. Of course. And here's my question. People keep saying, oh, he's a brilliant businessman. We need the country running like a business. Okay, he's bankrupted, what, six companies? And what kind of brilliant businessman gets fined $355 million for fraudulent business practices and then needs a GoFundMe set up to pay his legal fees? What brilliant businessman does that? I really don't want to talk about him anymore. I mean, He's just we can, fucking. We can also him. mention the thing that nobody's talking about is the Republican tax plan that's going to hurt people like us. Oh yeah. So if if y'all haven't looked up the the Republican tax plan out there, look it up. It's a Republican tax plan for 2027 where our taxes go up significantly. It is a long term deal. We got fewer tax cuts, and our taxes will go up thanks to the Republicans in 2027 by 10%. So I hope they all get voted out. This and if year. you don't believe me, please go look it up because you will see it. They all need to get voted out. Every one right. of them. Everything that I mentioned on here, I am finding credible sources to give the information from. So. Look it up for yourselves. See what you can find. I guarantee you will not find that story well shown on Fox News or News Nation or any of those places. Newsmax, Breitbart, none of those are going to really talk about the Republican tax plan because they want to talk about the open borders that we really don't have and say, oh, our borders are unsecure. The only border they care about is the Mexican border. And again, as we said before, two years of Republican control, no infrastructure, no border wall, no elimination of Obamacare. The only thing they got accomplished was shutting down the government both of those years, the second of which was the longest shutdown in government history. And the so, bill that they the, and the bill that the House has right now has money to be able to hire additional thousand border agents, hundred judges. All sorts of different things to help out with the border. It's the best border deal the Republicans ever had, and it was bipartisan when they come up with it. And it's now right now laying dead in the House floor because they're not really refused to vote on it. And if they vote on it, it can pass, and that'll give quote unquote another win for Biden, and which will make him look good. And the Republicans do not want to make him look good, so therefore they need a boogeyman to attack. So that's why they're saying, uh, no one's doing anything about the border or anything like this. It's because you won't do anything about it. You've got the bill in your hands to sign it, and you won't do it. 
and because they it, need something to campaign on, they need a boogeyman to make everybody be all the American people to be afraid of. They they just you're missing, missing the most significant part of that. They were handed this bill, this bipartisan bill that gives yeah. them everything they want. Yeah, it was given, and they went they on vacation for two weeks. Yep. And still didn't sign it. Just like their good buddy who would be too busy to take a vacation when he got in office and went golfing every weekend. So Mm. it's a a very scary time in politics because you have people who are voting by hate instead of by intelligence. I still say they need to bid people. That's who they vote for. They don't still, care about policies. I still say they need to dig up Ivana Trump. Ivanka or Ivana, whoever it is. Ivana. Ivanka's the daughter. They need yeah. to go to that golf course and dig her up. Well, I mean, his people will not believe anyways. The Republicans keep supporting him. Oh, and that was something else I saw. Another huge loss for the Republicans today. Wisconsin gerrymandering was eliminated as a the new governor signed a new map into law. So they can't it do it eliminated anymore. Eliminated the Republican gerrymandering. Good. So that's another state that can turn. And you know, George Santos seat was what, just baby? taken. When what? I saw one report that said that the Oh, she's fine. People like to hear a dog bark every now and then, and it's not a bad bark. Calm down, baby. Calm down. But it's okay. The, You're the, okay. Uh, what was I saying? You were saying how sweet this baby is. No, that's not what I was saying. I was talking about the... Anyways, I don't remember, so... <laughs> I, I got into the dog, and I know I was talking about Wisconsin... Oh, George Santos case. The... The thing I saw, and it, I haven't seen it anywhere, and I looked it up, and I found that it was a Democratic gerrymandering that caused Santos to win the seat, which didn't quite make any sense, but those were the only articles I could find. So I don't really know what the gerrymandering was there. Again, I don't agree with it for either party. It should be just look at the map and draw lines based on pop- population not any kind of Republican or Democratic ideal. But one thing I saw on threads said that due, it was a, the George Santos district was gerrymandered by the Republicans to where the Democrats should never have won. And they pulled out a victory in replacing George Santos for that seat. So, again, I don't know because, like I said, when I looked it up, it was a Democrat and gerrymandering that caused him to win it. But You ever seen didn't... an actual gerrymandered map? You know what that looks like? No, I've not looked them up. Oh, my God. You need to look it up sometime. It is the most asinine way they draw maps. It's like this whole street down this way. There's three Republicans here, two Republicans here, and the rest of them is Democrat. So what they'll do is they'll take, they'll draw around here and draw down there to the bottom of the street and circle around that and came back down here. And that belongs to this district. 
That's how they do that. Well, they try to get all the they get all the Republican voters. Vote. They, they tried to deny the Democratic vote. They've tried to deny this vote, that vote, and that's where the problem comes in. Get somebody, say somebody like me who doesn't know anything about the voting districts. You need not know anything about how these people vote. Draw the map based on that. Like, look at populations. Oh, we've got a thousand people here, five thousand over here. Let's kind of take the thousand and combine them with a thousand from there. So you've got two thousand in this district and three thousand in that district. Does that make sense? What don't make sense is the um, is the electoral college. Well, it should be abolished. Because the electoral college, because there's more people lives in California and New York and Florida than anywhere else in the country. And they have less voting power than Idaho. Well, Wyoming, it's like one vote in Wyoming equals like 14,000 votes in California. Yeah. So they have more pull in those other states than California or New York does. And that's why the Republicans suddenly did not want the Electoral Colleges abolished when they did prior. They knew the only reason that Trump got in was the Electoral College. Yeah. And that's when Republicans were like, oh, wait, we don't want the Electoral College gone. We don't have a chance without it. Well, instead of let's see how we can stack the deck so we can stay in power, how about looking at what you're doing wrong and start fixing that? Yeah. So okay, let's There's go on there. There's a reason why people don't want you in there. Let's do something else. Well, we can go on to entertainment because there's. I've seen that. I can't remember who it was, but some sports company, like broadcaster, is trying to block this from happening. But did you see about the new sports app that they're working on? Mm-mm. And it is Disney. Warner Brothers and somebody else. I can't remember. I'm trying Fox, Fox Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery want to do a combined sports app. If you're a sports fan, this could be a great thing. If you're not in one of those companies with a sport, it could be a terrible thing. I don't see nothing so bad about it. Well, say you have a soccer game that's on ESPN. Yes, well, not mentioned again. So we'll say CBS. Yeah. The only place you can get it is CBS. But you're missing out on this app over here where if all of your NFL games except for the ones on CBS and all of your Baseball games and basketball games. and Where are you going to keep going for your sports? This one app and forget about CBS. Because that's you know, the way to tell you the, do. Tell the truth. I don't, really, I don't really care about sports, so it can all just go away. So you're, I, don't, I don't really care about that. Well, I'm, I'm not going to watch it either. But I'm just saying yeah. you, can, you can take this to any other. Like there's talks that Paramount and Peacock are going to merge which will eliminate one subscription, which will make people happier. 
But if you start getting too much on this one, then these others will start losing their subscribers. So say you want Prime Video and everything is going to Peacock and Paramount's combined service. So you're getting less and less entertainment because they're getting more and more, but you're not paying for this one. You're paying for Prime because it's your favorite. What's that going to do? You know, you, you see how it can all manipulate itself around. Yeah. I guess. So this, we'll see how this all works out, but for, for a sports fan, it could be a great thing. It could be a terrible thing. Uh, CW is our next thing up. First up, I want to say, I saw a thing where whoever's running the CW was blaming Warner Brothers for the cancellation of Superman and Lois, saying that they didn't want it on when they were doing Superman Legacy with James Gunn. I call hogwash on that for the simple fact they renewed it for a measly 10 episodes, cut the cast to cut costs, and they've canceled almost all of their scripted shows along the way including the legends of tomorrow which would have no direct competition to james gunn's dc universe coming up and the fans had a horrible outcry demanding the they get the the legends of tomorrow back because it ended on such a cliffhanger we want it resolved if it was the fact that Warner Brothers is saying, no, you can't have Superman anymore was the only reason for the cancellation. Why isn't Legends back? I don't buy it. I know that they said at the start when Nexstar bought CW, their plan was more reality programming because they want an adult audience. Well, if you're going to do that, bring back the X-Files. They had a damn cliffhanger and I can't get over it. Well, they're going to bring it back, but it's going to be a new version. From ah. Ryan Cooper. Remember, we talked about that, and I'm Boo. not happy. But another thing, and this this could be, which I choked the gun. Let me go to the, the one I wanted here. Let me see if I can find it. The, but there there are two game shows that the CW has picked up that sound potentially good. This is from Variety. Scrabble and Trivial Pursuit game shows picked up by the CW. Now, I might watch these, but I'm not going to watch your reality television. I watch game shows, not reality. And... It says the CW has closed deals on game show variant game show versions of the classic board games Trivial Pursuit and Scrabble. Variety has learned both the Trivial Pursuit and Scrabble game shows are being produced by Hasbro Entertainment, the CW, and Lionsgate Alternative Television. Scrabble is also being produced by Mattel Television Studios. Despite multiple reports about potential hosts, neither series has a host attached to it at this time. The CW had no comment on the game shows. Now, we have had game shows based on both of them before. I don't know if you remember. Chuck Woolery hosted Scrabble and yeah. Trivial Pursuit. Wink Martindale did one. And it says here, back in 2021, Variety reported that LeVar Burton was set to host and executive produce a game show based on Trivial Pursuit. The series was in development at Entertainment One, which was owned by Hasbro at the time. So there's been other attempts at Trivial Pursuit. We'll see how this goes, but they are talking about the potential of those two games. And 
apparently it is a deal done deal because they are picked up by the CW. Well, good. Which now is it's just CW now. They've taken away the the off of it. Oh, did they? Yeah, it's, if you go to their app or anything, it's just CW. There's no the in front of it anymore. Huh. And they changed the colors too because it's now red and black, I think. That's strange. But since we're talking about game shows, Deadline has an article Atari Celebrity Game Show in Works from executive producers Jay Blumenfield and Tony Marsh. There's really no real information about it. The only thing it says is a quote. Is this the one? Slated Marsh, it's going to be amazing. You'll get to watch celebrities do something they rarely ever get to do, which is actually have fun. And sometimes a walk down memory lane is just what we need to keep our sanity in this crazy world. Says this Blumenfield said, this show celebrates the history of gaming, the culture of entertainment, and the joy of competing like we're kids. It's one the whole family won't want to miss. So, again, no real details. But there is some intrigue for me. We'll see how it ends up doing. Some casting announcements. Afterburn is based on a comic book. I'm on the IMDb page for it because there's not really a whole lot of... It's just two members of the cast have been announced. But the description is a group of post-apocalyptic treasure hunters search for ancient relics on Earth that has been nearly half destroyed by a massive solar flare. So, sounds like it could be a pretty good story. So far, they have cast Samuel L. Jackson and Dave Bautista. So, I'm still intrigued. We'll see yeah, how it turns out. And it sounds like something that could truthfully happen. <laughs> well, yeah. But it, it is based on a comic book. It's not a superhero comic, which everybody wants to say comic books, nobody wants a comic book product. No, there's a lot of stuff in comics that we haven't even explored yet that people would love. And this sounds interesting, so I, I definitely look forward to it. Also on the casting front, I'm going to have to start watching Suits now because Suits LA has announced their star for the pilot. You know who that is? Mm. The one, the only, Arrow, Stephen Amell. Really? Star of Suits LA pilot. And the pilot is ordered from NBC. So we'll see how it goes. But it says the potential series, which was this is from TVline.com, by the way. The potential series, which was ordered to pilot at NBC earlier this month, centers on a male's Ted Black, a former federal prosecutor from New York who is described as a quote, charismatic force of nature who puts his own needs above others, per the official synopsis. Ted joined forces 15 years ago with his old buddy Stuart Lane to build an L.A. law firm that specializes in criminal and entertainment law. It says the role of Stuart Lane as well as the female lead Erica are expected to be cast in the coming days. But like I said, I will have to watch Suits to get an idea of what this show is going to be about. And since we're talking about Arrow and the Arrowverse because of Stephen Amell, one of the creators has teased a Brandon mm-hmm. Ralph return as Superman, which if CW's 
guy is correct and WB will not allow it. How would this happen? But this is from Screen Rant. The key takeaways are Mark Guggenheim, Mark Guggenheim, co-creator of the Arrowverse, hints at a potential sequel series starring Brandon Routh as Superman. Routh previously played as Superman in the 2006 movie Superman Returns and reprised the role in Arrowverse's 2019 crossover event. Routh debuted in the Arrowverse as Ray Palmer, going on to play the Atom on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So I would love to see the Kingdom Come Superman series that it should be because of the costume that he wore on the Arrowverse. So hopefully we'll get it. Time will tell. But Mark Guggenheim has, and it's from a post on Twitter, it looks like. Yeah, from Twitter. Ivan B. Parker tweeted, I 100% agree. He embodies the role with charm and confidence. The quote, you're safe now. I'll handle that. Aura he irradiates is quote, perfect. And I'm right there with you. My dream for him would have been a 12 F adaptation of All-Star, but I'm forever grateful for his comeback in Crisis on Infinite Earths. That was retweeted by Mark Guggenheim saying, Brandon and I have talked about a sequel series. We have some really exciting ideas. So that's where it all comes from. We'll see how it all goes down, but who knows? Um, on the comics front, since we're talking about all that others, this is from bleedingcool.com. Marvel and DC Comics to republish their crossovers, including Amalgam. The article summary says, Marvel and DC unite to republish Amalgam series and other iconic crossovers. Artist Barry Kitson reveals plans for reprinting and request fan contributions. Amalgam's unique merged characters showcased in a, in, a, in a nostalgic lineup. Historic fallout between comic giants detailed, un, underscoring rarity of collaboration. I don't know if you remember this event, but it was a pretty big deal back in the early 90s. They had the DC versus Marvel comics miniseries. And that merged the two worlds together, and they came up with new titles. And I, I remember two of them very well. I think it was called Amazonia or Amazon. Storm of the X-Men and Wonder Woman were merged into one character. And another one was called Bullets and Bracelets, where Diana was with the Punisher. I think Superboy and Spider-Man merged. Batman and Captain America, I think, were put together. I can't remember. It looks like Howard the Duck and Lobo were together. Um, no, it looks like it was Superman and Captain America were together, and Batman and Wolverine were combined. So there was a lot of... Here we go. Amazon and our Marvel DC Amalgam one shots. Amazon, Assassins, Doctor Strange Fate, JLX, Legends of the Dark Claw, Super Soldier, Bruce Wayne, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Bullets and Bracelets, Magneto and the Magnetic Men, Speed Demon, Spider Boy, X Patrol, Bat Thing, Dark Claw Adventures, Generation Hex, JLX Unleashed, Lobo the Duck. Super Soldier Man of War, Challengers of the Fantastic, The Exciting X-Patrol, Iron Lantern, 
the magnif the magnetic men featuring Magneto, Spider Boy team up, and Dorian of the New Asgods. And then there's a whole bunch of Marvel DC crossovers that have also been published through the years, including Spider Man versus Superman and Batman versus the Incredible Hulk, to name two of them. There's a whole list of them. So there will be two crossover omnibuses being published. Uh, says, Yesterday, Bleeding Cool ran the scoop and broke the story that Marvel and DC Comics were to reprint all their crossover titles as well as the amalgam line of books. And today, both have totally coincidentally announced that they will be publishing two omnibuses, DC versus Marvel Omnibus and DC slash Marvel The Amalgam Age Omnibus, both on the 6th of August, 2024. So if you want to see some of those crossovers, this will probably be the last time for a good long while that you'll get the chance to buy them at a decent price anyways. Yeah. And then my final entertainment story is this is from americansongwriter.com Ridley Scott set to direct BG's biopic with Barry Gibb as executive producer. And I believe it's set up at Paramount Plus under distribution by Paramount Pictures, but I think it is for Paramount Plus. So we'll see if that actually happens, but that is set for now. Have you been keeping up with the new biopic from Michael Jackson being filmed with Jafar Jackson? Not really. I have. They're they're using Jafar Jackson's real vocals for the movie coming up. And he's in the studio learning all of Michael's music and they're leaking stuff out on YouTube of him performing. He looks and sounds just like Michael, like Man in the Mirror. Oh my God. You can't tell a difference between his voice and Michael's voice. That's how close he sounds to Michael. It's a, it's incredible. Well, I hope it's really good and I hope it helps restore some of the respect to Michael Jackson because we've talked about it and we won't go too far into it, but you know, the whole accusations that he faced where he settled out of court on the first one and fought the second one and people made their minds up that he was a pedophile and didn't like him anymore. And I've said many times, I don't believe that he was guilty, but by the same token, I wouldn't have left my kid with him overnight just out of safety for the kid. But anyways, um, the makeup that they use for him and the hair and the, the clothes He's 23 years old and he's coming out with an album called The Second Coming of Mike or something like that. And he's, like I said, he sounds just like his uncle. I can't even hardly tell the difference between the two of them singing. Did you have any other entertainment stories? or is that No, it? just how, you know, Taylor Swift is, you know, the second coming of the devil and um... You know, and then still trying to take her down. and <laughs> um, She was the first one I saw to actually donate to the victims of the Kansas City Celebration Massacre. Yeah, she, she donated $100,000 to um, the, uh, the woman um, who her husband got her killed. Family. Yeah, for the family. No, it was not the husband. It was her. Her. That's she what was it was. A, she was a DJ and 
in the area and she was killed. Probably there doing her job and got yeah. killed. Yeah, I saw where they she donated a hundred thousand dollars. And I think Travis Kelsey also donated a hundred thousand to the family. You know what I did not see? Joel Austin donate any money to the people shot in his church. We don't know if they did that or not. We don't know if they did that or not. They probably would have reported it or I don't know. Uh, I saw an article today of him having preached about needing to pray to God and all this for them, but not one word of him making a donation to those families. You don't know if they did that or not. Churches churches don't. Mega churches are different and I would if they were going to, they would have publicly announced it. I guarantee. I think part of it is fear of liable lawsuits, which they will probably face. Because it happened in the church during the sermon. Well, it's not their fault that it happened. No, but it was still on their grounds. And well, that's not that's, no. We see each other. We see things differently. There, there. That was not their fault that that happened. I didn't say it was their fault. Well, they should not be sued. I said we will see liable lawsuits because it was on their grounds during their service. They can't control people's actions, but to an extent, they could have. No, they, they can't. They can't control that. Store, There's but... no way they can control that. If you're going to have a mega church like that, you should have better security. That's well, they had security, and they did their job, and they shot them, and they stopped them from killing people. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. What else were they supposed to do? Just bow down to them and let saw. them shoot them? The only thing I ever saw was off-duty officers, not well, that's what security is. Security. That's what security is. It's off-duty officers at these that. mega churches. But, but what you keep interrupting me, I kept seeing off-duty officers, not off-duty officers working as security. That's what they do. One of my friends works... He's he's Summit County Sheriff Deputy, and it's what he does is he works security off-duty, off-duty, and then they pay him. The venue pays him to do that. And he's in uniform. What I'm saying is... They were not mentioned as security for the church in any article I've seen. Not they don't have to. But don't you think that would be a, a little tidbit they would put in there? That well, they the are security. Working security at the church? Well, that's what it? they are. Or were they just churchgoers? No, they were actually off-duty police officers hired by the church to be there. See, I, like I said, I never saw any word of them being employed by the church. Police police deputies do that all over the country, everywhere, even inside our schools. I understand that. I'm not arguing that point. What I'm saying is I have not seen any report saying they were working for the church. The church was paying them. That's what they do. I have not seen any report of that. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not saying they weren't. I'm saying I have not seen report of it. Okay, Chris. But, again, back to the point, 
if McDonald's can get sued for a woman putting her coffee on the dashboard and spilling it in her lap because it didn't say caution hot, you think that it's not going to be somebody trying to get these families to sue? Okay, so these people, these churches need to put a stake out in front with their sign on it says, um, warning, possibly you could get shot by attending this church. You are too much hooked on Joel Osteen and you defend him constantly. I understand that. I'm not you're defending not seeing, him. I'm just defending you're not anyone. You're, I don't you care if it's Joel Osteen. I don't care if it was my Baptist church beside my beside my house. They don't mm-hmm. need to put out a, a sign that says possibly you could get shot if you attend this church. You are absolutely refusing to see what I'm saying. I'm not putting fault on the church. I'm saying if a lawyer will take a case of a woman putting her coffee on the dashboard of her car and spilling it in her lap because it didn't say caution hot. Do you really think a lawyer is not going to go to these families to get them to sue Joel Austin's church? No. You don't see that as a possibility at all. That's two different scenarios. You can't even compare them. No, it's a frivolous lawsuit is what I'm talking about. No, one person's dead and the other person just got a burn. A frivolous lawsuit. It's it's not comparable. You don't don't see that they would make a frivolous Mm -hmm. lawsuit out of it, regardless. Even even if there's no in the United States, you could actually sue anybody for anything at any given time. That's the joy of our damn judicial system. Yes, I they could sue them for like putting a certain hymn in the hymnal and they don't like it so yes realistically they can sue for anything that they want i could sue them for the color of the glass of that church that i did not like the color of the glass in that church but this is a situation that happened it's a major situation that happened and i'm saying it's possible that they're not donating money because it would look like in act of guilt and open them up to more liable lawsuits. And also, this is why churches carry insurance as well. But do you see what I'm saying? I'm not attacking anybody. I'm just saying this is a very likely scenario as to why he's not given any money to the families. You don't know that. Like I said, his church, I can't imagine them giving money without publicizing. I'm just saying you don't know that. Because Right now, he needs anything he can to make himself look better because of this tragedy. Well, I know from the budget reports of the church that's beside my house, they donate regularly to different people. They don't advertise that. Well, I guarantee you, your, your they don't church put it in the paper. doesn't live in a palatial estate either, does it? Well, they don't put it in the paper and say, hey, we donated $10,000 to this blah, blah, blah. And there's been no shooting at that church, right? Um, no, but about been killed in years that ago, somebody was ran over in a parking lot and killed. And I'm sure they publicized giving or taking care of that because, one, there's no liability of the church if somebody gets hit in the parking lot, like there would be somebody getting shot inside the church itself. So it was just, um, it was a domestic situation that happened there. So... Anyways, we just need to agree to disagree and go on. But moving on to the those we lost. First up is from multiversitycomics.com. Paul Neary, former Marvel UK editor-in-chief, dead at 74. And 
I'm not sure what Marvel UK was responsible for. Obviously, Marvel Comics, but I don't know what all they did. Said it was following a long illness. In addition to his editorial work, Neary was an accomplished writer, artist, and anchor who worked for both Marvel and DC. His work would also appear in multiple anthologies, including 2000 AD and Warrior. Neary was an Eisner winner, taking the award for Best Art Team with Davis for Excalibur and two-time Eagle Award winner. He is survived by his wife, Bernie J., a retired comic creator who served as Marvel UK editor-in-chief herself from 1980 to 1983. So, it does not say what the long illness was, but that does not sound good that it was a long illness. Next up is from the Los Angeles Times. Crew member dies after fall on the set of Marvel TV series Wonder Man. Uh, After falling from the rafters, it says, the crew member, a rigger, was working on Marvel Studios' Wonder Man at Radford Studio Center in Studio City when the incident occurred. According to the Los Angeles Police Department, officers arrived Tuesday at the 4,000 block of Radford Street for a death investigation upon receiving a call that a 50-year-old man had fallen from a catwalk onto a stage. Oh, that would be a horrible death. It would not be fun, that's for sure. It says it follows other fatal incidents on the sets of movies and TV discusses Rust, Cinematographer, The Walking Dead Stuntman. Um, I know there was a motorcyclist stuntman on Deadpool that died during filming. So Hollywood may end up being forced to drastically overhaul their safety procedures. Because we went for a long time with no deaths on any set to in the last 10 years, multiple deaths on set. And speaking of the Rust Cinematographer incident, I did see that they have reopened the investigation into Alec Baldwin. So, do not know where that's going to lead. And then the final passing that I have this week is from CNN.com. William Bill Post, who helped invent Pop-Tarts, has died. Ah, oh, Pop Tarts, gotta love him things. He was ninety six. And but you know, instead of talking about this article, what we'll talk about his legacy because who has not had a Pop Tart? I can't imagine anyone in this country not having a Pop Tart. I got I got the uh, cherry ones and blueberry ones in my desk at work right now. <laughs> what is your favorite Pop Tart? My favorite Pop-Tart of all time is Blueberry. See, I I like the Blueberry, but I don't like the ones without icing, and I don't eat the icing ones because of the fact that they have gelatin in the icing. So ever since I stopped eating meat and found out that gelatin comes from the hooves of animals, I have stopped eating anything with gelatin in it. And so I, I don't get to partake in them. I, I did love the s'mores version when I ate the ice, the icing ones. I like the blueberry. I was never big on the cherry or strawberry 
This is I just don't really care for cherry or strawberry. I like the tanginess of the cherry. That's why I like the cherry ones. Wood. And I like the uh, cinnamon brown sugar ones. Mm. Those are good. One of the ones I wish they would bring back, and it had no icing on it, so it's incredibly dry. And you need to have a cup of milk while you eat them. Because, you know, Pop-Tarts are not exactly mouth-watering when you eat them. They're all fairly dry. But this one was extremely dry. It was the peanut butter Pop-Tart. That had Ooh. the peanut butter cream filling. Yeah. And peanut butter cookie type of shell. Wow. So, so the, the pastry itself was a peanut butter cookie type pastry. And then the peanut butter filling inside of it. It was so good. But I don't ever see them anymore. So I guess they don't make them. There's a off-brand Pop-Tart called Toastums. And I'll get those at the Dollar General sometimes. And the main difference between Toastums and Pop-Tarts is the Toastums has more like of the jelly stuff inside of it. The fruit filling. It's thicker than the fruit filling in it. And then sometimes I will cheat and get those because I want more of the filling inside of them. But there's nothing like a good warm Pop-Tart just fresh, fresh out of the toaster. So we found a way to end the, the in-tribute on a high note at least. So Because, you know, we all owe Bill Post a lot because... Like I said, I can't imagine anybody on in this country that has never eaten a pop tart. Um, now, when you if you ever go to DC, you can visit Marjorie Merriweather Post's house. She was the Post cereal um, mogul, and just to give you a little bit of a hint of how much money she had, the house down there, Mar-a-Lago, that Trump's living in. Yeah. That was her vacation home. Marjorie Merriweather Post's house. If only she could have sold it to somebody better. So she was very powerful in D.C. um, back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. Um, At the height of the Cold War era, whenever there was was some kind of a, a... state dinner or something being held at the White House. Um, The president of Russia was not invited. Well, the very next night, she planned a dinner at her house. Her house is a sprawling estate there in right, right close to D.C. And she hosted a dinner for all the same presidents and the heads of state and the president of Russia to come. And every one of them showed up at her house for dinner. And they had a, like, um, it was just like, um, it was like a, a healing dinner to, to warm things up between all the countries around the world and uh, United States and also for Russia. That's how power, powerful of a woman she was. Did you have anything else before we end the first half, or is that it? No, that's it. I need to go take the little man for a walk, or right quick. Oh, 
we'll be back. I, I was able to watch The Iron Claw. I know I talked to Paul about watching two other films, which were The Holdovers and The Marvels. I don't know if he got to either one of those, but we will be back with those reviews after this. Stay tuned, everybody. I watched... Um... Welcome back, everyone. And of course, Paul has changed his name again. Now he's Harry Potter for those out there who can't see. <laughs> but we're going to start out the second half with the top 10 films of the weekend. But since it's a holiday weekend, President's Day today, as we're recording, and they're, instead of not having had the results last week, we'll just go with the special weekend, which is the estimates, because of course, President's Day is not over. So they're still counting in today's totals. But number 10 is Land of Bad. After one weekend, $2,135,000. At number nine is Lisa Frankenstein. Almost two and a half million in the second weekend for just under, just over $8 million. At number eight, Anyone But You, $2.8 million in its ninth weekend for $85.1 million. Number seven, The Beekeeper with Jason Statham. It's $3.8 million in its sixth weekend for almost $60.5 million total. Number six, The Chosen Season 4, Episodes 4 through 6, just under $4 million in its apparent Wednesday through Monday total, $4,727,345. At number five is Wonka. After 10 weeks, $4.3 million, a total of $210,741,297. At number four is Migration, $5.1 million in its ninth weekend, a total of $116,178,000. At number three is Argyle, five and three-quarter million in its third weekend, almost $37.5 million total. Debuting at number 10, two is Madam Web, $18 million in the holiday weekend. It's Wednesday through Monday opener. $26,205,000 and debuting at number one, Bob Marley, One Love, 34 point, or $34,130,000 over the weekend, Wednesday through Monday total, $52 million. What's that Barb Marley? Is that it's like a biopic? biopic? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about a few of them movies. What's that Lisa Frankenstein? I'm not really sure exactly what it's about. I've seen things on it, but I've never really paid much attention to it. So and there's a, a coming, movie. A coming of rage love story about a teenager and her crush who happens to be a corpse. After a set of horrific circumstances bring him back to life, the two embark on a journey to find love, happiness, and the few missing body parts. That is according to Box Office Mojo by IMDb Pro. That sounds interesting. Um, there was another movie I just want to ask about. It was um, the number one, the the number, the one that's debuting at number ten. It's bad. 
Land of Bad. Yeah, how ironic that it debuted at Bad. That's called Land of Bad. <laughs> it's a Liam Hemsworth and Russell Crowe film. Wow. Army ODA team has ambushed. Their only hope lies with an Air Force JTAC and a drone pilot to guide them through a brutal 48-hour battle for survival. The Air Force JTAC is Liam Hemsworth. The drone pilot is Russell Crowe. Seems like that'd be a good film because that's two powerhouses. Huh. I'm not a big fan of Russell Crowe, honestly. Hmm. So... Okay. Aquaman has now made over 400 million nation worldwide. Just to throw that out there. Domestic what? total $123,650,802. International total $309.8 million. Stop. Stop, Matt. Stop. For the grand total worldwide, $433,450,802 so far. For oh, Aquaman. that's good. Yeah. Um, which one of those movies made over $200 million? Was that um, Wonka? Yes, Wonka is at 210.741. What was the budget on that one? I have to look that up. Hold on a second. Google says $125 million. So it's made its money well over. So I'm interested about that movie. I, I think I want to see that one. Aquaman 2 budget is estimated to be 205 to 215 million dollars. So it's 433 million dollar but worldwide take seems to have made its money back. Good. So and I still stick to my time. I still stick to my guns about that Indiana Jones movie. Y'all, if you haven't seen the Indiana Jones film, the new one, you're missing out. That damn, that's a damn good film. Well, and it deserved have, more at the box office. It deserved way more. You missed out on a really good one this week, but we'll talk about that in a minute. First, I'm going to talk about the Iron Claw. The Iron Claw. Is that something about to do with, do, with, do with Russia? No, this is the story of the Von Erich family. According to Google, Metacritic gives it 73%. Um, IMDB gives it 7.9 out of 10 and Rotten Tomatoes gives it 89% and quite clearly the critics knew nothing about the Von Erich family watching this film the mm. acting is fine the cinematography is fine the story is so very full of erroneous parts from the very beginning of the film. Like a quick Google check will tell you how wrong this film is, not to mention my personal memory of these circumstances. They left out one of the brothers even. There was another brother that was never mentioned in the film. Now what was this film about? The Von Erich family. Mm. Kevin, Mike, Carrie, David... Um, Chris and is that it? Terry, Mike, David, Chris, and Kevin. Kevin's the only brother still alive. Who are these people? They were wrestlers. Oh, 
Zac Efron played Kevin Von Erich in the film. But the film starts out, it shows on the screen, 1979. It shows unnamed competitors, but I found out through an internet search that it was Kevin Von Erich wrestling the Sheik in 1979 in Texas. I don't know that the Sheik ever wrestled in Texas in 1979. I don't know his history. I do know the Sheik was in Detroit. He ran the Detroit area for wrestling. I also know from a quick internet search, because I didn't think Kevin won the Texas title back then, it said David Von Erich won the title in 78, lost it, and regained it once or twice in 79. David, not Kevin. Not from the Sheik. The Sheik was not the Texas champion in 1979. This set the tone for the rest of the film. Like I said, they never mentioned the youngest brother who killed himself. And one thing I saw was that they, the creators felt it was just too unbelievable for another son to have faced tragedy like that. I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's believable or not. It's the truth and none of the rest of it is believable. Like, you have changed so much in this film. They they had in the film, Kerry Von Erich defeats Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title at Texas Stadium in the David Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions in 1984 which happened, and after that, they show Kerry get upset and go riding off on his motorcycle, leading to his wreck that caused him to lose his foot. That happened in 1986. They led you to believe it was right after he won the world title that he lost his foot. I mean, nothing panned out throughout Who this Who are film. the riders? I uh, don't know if they have it or not it's not on google i didn't pull up any of the others but well you need to tweet them and go mm-hmm. all the lies and bullshit i mean it's it's got very good reviews though like 7.9 out of 10 on imdb 89 percent on rotten tomatoes they could not possibly know the truth of this family because there's so much wrong they showed mike end up in his debut match hurt his shoulder which caused him to have surgery which caused him to have toxic shock syndrome which led to the the whole he was having major pain and his health was bad and he ended up killing himself because he couldn't take it wow I mean, it's this, this family is riddled with tragedy. There is no doubt about it. But saying that you're going to leave out one of the brothers because you don't think it's believable, it really happened. What's more believable than fact? I just don't understand. So I would film was it? Uh, about hour 42 hours, something like that. But it just... I like I said from the start. Oh, it says two hours and twelve minutes on Google. I didn't think it was over two hours, but apparently it was. They hyped up the appearance of Maxwell Jacob Friedman as Lance von Erich. He did not speak in the movie. You saw a 
brief shot of him in the wrestling ring, and that was it. They never talked about Lance. Lance was the fake cousin they made for the TV because uh, the Von Erich family was either Kerry had gone to WWE or WWF at the time, and uh, Mike and well, David had died. Mike had died, I think, at the time Lance Von Erich came in. So they needed a new Von Erich brother. So they made a cousin out of Ricky Vaughn and called him Lance Von Erich. And he was not very successful. People just didn't take to him. And like I said, they didn't have anything with him. Seems like they'd have had a consultant there. Well, I watched the the interview from one of the late night shows with Jeremy Allen White. And at the end of the clip, because it said that he said what Kevin Von Erich insisted on for the film. And the only thing that he said Kevin Von Erich insisted on for the film was to let people know how much he cared about his brothers. And I mean, I would have wanted the truth, like at least simple facts that the fans could know. It's the same problem I had with the movie that Paige did, uh, the fighting my family or whatever it was where they had the match and you can go any WWE fan can easily pick up that match on the Peacock and watch it. They showed the match and it was completely different than the way it actually happened. It's like something that's that easy to figure out. Why do you change it? Like the Texas title. Why change it? Why build up Kevin as the Texas champion in 1979 when he didn't win it until 1988? It just it doesn't make sense to me. Oh, and another thing. Ross and Marshall Von Erich are a tag team that are out today. One was born in like 88 and the other one was born in 90, 91, 92, somewhere there. And they portrayed them as having been born, or at least one of them having been born in 86. And both of them had been born by 90. And they were the only two of the four children that Kevin Von Eric had in the movie. And I'm like, they're actual wrestlers today. You can pull them up online. People know who they are. And you still got it wrong. Obviously, somebody is just want to make a quick dollar. I mean, it's a very tragic story with this family. There's no doubt about that. I mean, look look at what, how it went down. The, the youngest, or actually the oldest brother, died at the age of two. When he, and this I've, I've researched online, and they actually say this in the movie, say, get the, the two-year-old's death right. But he stepped on the trailer tongue and got electrocuted and fell in a puddle of melting snow and drowned. Oh. That's how the two-year-old died. Um, David Von Erich was having stomach pains and ended up I can't remember the whole story, and they do tell it in the movie, and I think they tell the reason that he died correctly. 
David Von Erich had a history of drug abuse, which they do show drug abuse by the brothers throughout the film. And I I can't remember the exact reason for David Von Erich's death, but like I said, I think they got the death right. He was in Japan, and I believe it was internal hemorrhaging, maybe, from whatever in his stomach was going on, and he died while in Japan, alone in his hotel room. Um, Mike Von Erich, I mentioned, had the toxic shock syndrome and all the pain, and he finally couldn't take it anymore, and he killed himself. Chris Von Erich was just a tiny guy, very, very small, and I'm not sure what led to him killing himself, but he killed himself. Good God. Terry Von Erich was being brought up on drug charges, I believe. And before his trial, he went out and shot himself and killed himself. Good Lord. So this is all the brothers. And I don't remember how Fritz died, but he did pass away as well. It might have been cancer. It might have been natural causes. I really don't remember with Fritz. But he ended up dying as well. And you had good actors in it. Jeremy Allen White, who's all the rage now because of his Calvin Klein ads and The Bear, and Zach Efron, and Maura Tierney plays their mother. But it just it didn't matter how good the film was. The fact that they got so much wrong ruined it all for me. Yeah. And it's like I said, it's so much that they could have easily easily looked up and gotten right. Obviously, they didn't have the right writers or the um, what is it? The um, support staff to help them with the film. Well, if, if you're going to write the story, the life story of somebody, at least look up some details. Like, if you're going to put it in your movie that you're writing, Look it up before you do it. That reminds me of a conversation I had with my friend Charles. He's uh, high up in the Judy Garland fandom. And that movie that came out with Judy, Renelle Zellweger playing Judy. I didn't watch it, but I know what you're talking about. He watched it. And he shot so many holes in that movie. He said, he said half of it's truth and the other half of it's lies. He just kept telling what all those so much lies about in that movie. Yeah. And the movie company got in touch with him wanting uh, pictures, detailed pictures and drawing, well, detailed pictures and um, specifications of two different outfits that Judy had that he owns. So he had, he, the studio got images, the outfits from him and also um, dimensions of the sleeves and everything like that so they could reproduce those outfits for Renee Zellweger to wear. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, but this this movie got just so much wrong. And, and to top it all off, the casting was bad too. Like, Carrie Von Eric was, to me, the largest brother because he was the, the broadest shoulders and it seemed like he had the most muscle. And Because Kevin was a very lean muscle guy. David was not real ripped. Mike and Chris were more like Chris was 
if you want to call him that, the runt of the family, he was very small. And yeah. Mike was not very large either. But <clears throat> Carrie, the Jeremy Allen White as Carrie, the others were towering over him. And that should never have been the case. I mean, it's like visually, you can't accept it. History, you can't accept it. So if if you go into it watching it with no knowledge of the Von Eric family, you're fine because you don't know what happened. But if you have knowledge of their history, you will be like, this is not right. This is not right. This is not right. Why are they doing this? This is not right. The whole way through the thing. Yeah, I bet half of the uh, World Wrestling Association or whatever was like rolling their eyes while trying to watch it. No, I mean, it was the Von Erich family was world class championship wrestling. And I mean, they were a huge outfit. Oh, and that's something else. They're, they started talking about their cable deal. They said ESPN was going to be broadcasting the show. CBN was the first one to broadcast world class championship wrestling nationwide. CBN, wow. Not ESPN. The Christian Broadcasting Network aired World Class Championship Wrestling on cable. They were the first. And I looked it up, and ESPN got the rights to World Class Championship Wrestling in about 1988. Wow. Huge difference there. And just like I said, so much wrong. They did get parts right, but the amount they got wrong is so very wrong. But with that, let's move on to better topics and we'll talk about the holdovers that Paul didn't watch. This one is nominated for several Academy Awards, including Best Supporting Actress for Divine Joy Randolph, who, if you watched Only Murders in the Building, you will know as the wonderfully witty and sarcastic and just adorable character of the detective that is investigating the crimes. I loved her as the detective on Old Murders in the Building, let me just tell you. She was sassy, she was fierce, she was great. And she brings a lot of that to this role. Um, Metacritic gives it 82%. IMDb has an 8.0 out of 10 after 97,000 reviews. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes Made a meter after 347 reviews, 97%. A thousand plus verified ratings on the audience score, 91%. This wow. is a universally loved film. It is nothing spectacular as far as effects or anything, but the story is so good and the characters are brought to life so well by these actors. And Paul Giamatti is the teacher who is being punished because he failed the senator's son. And so he's having to stay at the school over Christmas break to take care of the boys that don't get to go home. And because it is a, a boys school, private school, it's set, I believe, in 1970. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph plays the lunch lady who stays to take care of the kids fixing them dinners and such <clears throat> as she's grieving the loss of her son 
which they don't ever say it, but I'm taking it he was killed in Vietnam because he's a picture in the wall and he's a soldier. There are five boys that can't get to go home. So the one says his father is going to end up coming with his helicopter and taking them to the um, uh, skiing trip. And their fa- the father does show up and takes some skiing. And all the boys get to go except one. So that leaves the one student, Paul Giamatti, and the lunch lady left to spend the the holidays together and that's where the story really picks up and the character intertwining the character development the what goes on with them i mean this film is so very good if divine joy randolph doesn't win the oscar i'm not going to be happy because she was fantastic in this movie and it is on uh, peacock right now i'm telling you if you get the chance watch this movie. It is fantastic. It's a great drama. And I really don't know what else to say for it. I just I will rave on this film continuously. Let's see. Nominated for five Oscars according to IMDb. I'm pulling up which ones it is because like I said, I know Divine Joy Randolph is nominated. And, of course, my computer is going to go all slow now. Academy Awards nominees. Best Motion Picture. Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role for Paul Giamatti. Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role for Divine Joy Randolph. Best Original Screenplay for David Hemmingson. And Best Achievement in Film Editing by Kevin Tent. So, not only is it up for Picture of the Year, which it's honestly not going to win because Oppenheimer is just a powerhouse that needs to be beaten and I will be watching Oppenheimer this week to see if it holds up to the critical praise but I don't see it beating Oppenheimer Divine Joy Randolph however has a shot at winning this and I hope she does and of course Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer and um, Ryan Gosling for Barbie I think that's going to kill Paul Giamatti's chances to win America Ferreira for Barbie is a huge obstacle for Devon Joy Randolph to defeat, though, too. So we'll see how it goes down. Have you seen any of the Oscar nominations? Or I don't watch the Oscars. See, I, I will be watching the Oscars. They are two weeks from Sunday. I can't wait. And I'll be rooting on Devon Joy Randolph the whole way, but I know we watched Barbie, or I watched Barbie. Did you ever watch Barbie? I watched Barbie. Okay, so that's one of the Oscar nominations. What did we watch last week that was nominated? Or last show? Um, I can't remember what I did yesterday, Chris, a long two weeks ago. I can't remember which one it was last time. It was. I remember we liked it, but I don't remember which one it was. And then this week I watched the holdovers and I'm going to try and get some more. More and more are starting to pop up. I, I don't know if I'm going to get to watch Maestro because one, it's it's not a big seller for me. So it's like, oh, do I want to watch it or not? And some of the others are like that too. Um, the one with Jodie Foster, 
Nyad. I do want to try and watch that one. Oh, it was the... I know what it was. It was the one you didn't watch it. It was... Was it Rippin? Ripton? It was the one about the friend of Martin Luther King Jr. That's the one. And it was really good. I don't know. That that was the one I watched last time. But but that brings us to the one we both did watch, which was The Marvels. And Metacritic has it 50%. IMDB has it 5.6 out of 10 with 106,000 reviews. Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, has it 356 reviews, putting it at 62%. The audience score with over 2,500 verified ratings, 82%. So Rotten Tomatoes' audience score is much better than the others. Paul, you haven't really gotten to talk about these, so I'll let you take this one. Well, I mean, um, I thought it was really neat watching it. Um, The young girl, the Indian girl, that was part of one of the Marvels with her bracelet that her grandmother, she said, had given to her. And you didn't um, watch this Marvel, did you? The series? No. See, that explains all of her backstory. And it was See, really I, good. People hated it, but it was really good. I didn't watch any of it. But um, it was, it, there was some pretty cool things in it. Um, I liked the story of it. And uh, you know, I like good fighting scenes, and there were tons of good fighting in it. What got me is how those cats were born. They looked like brains. <laughs> the 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 body eaten cats, and there's yeah, having I, all I the. I can't cats. remember what they were. They weren't were cats. They were something else, but I can't remember what they're called. They're having all the cats to eat all the people so they can put them in escape pods and get out of that building because it's getting ready to blow, you know, out of that space, whatever it was. It was, it was, it was cool. Yeah. I liked it pretty good. So, I mean, I, I watched it um, for the special effects and fighting because that's what I like. So, um, it it was, uh, I liked the way they switched places when they were playing games with each other that was a pretty neat scene too i, I just like i think they really did a really good job with these special effects um a whole lot better than what they did on that but one damn movie we watched anyways What's on it? the one the yeah. ant-man ant-man whatever it was yeah, I, I still see people defending that movie online and i'm like i loved Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. I thought they were great films. Ant-Man and the Wasp in Mania was just terrible. I mean, there was nothing you could say good about it. The effects were bad. The story was bad. It wasn't interesting. I mean, it just, it didn't hold up. But this one did. I mean, I liked the way that at the very end, it came back to, um, what's her name? What's her real name? In the movie? Which one? Captain Marvel. Carol Danvers. Carol Danvers. It came back to her house in Louisiana, and that family moved in with her. Moved into the house there. And I thought that was pretty neat that she let them move in there. Well, one thing I will suggest, watch Miss Marvel, and watch it with an open mind. Don't listen to all the hate on the internet about Miss Marvel, because... 
the reason people are hating it, she is a teenager. She's Muslim. She's Pakistani descent. And it's written more for families to enjoy than it is for playing out adults to enjoy, which is how I think a comic book based thing should be. Unless it's like Deadpool or something. But um, that show ends where the Marvels begins, where they swap places. And that was my big issue with this film was where they were swapping places. They figured out it was as they were using their powers. But I didn't figure out how that worked because they'd be flying and not swap powers, but then they'd swap powers or they'd be flying and not swap, but it was using their powers and flight is a power. And then they'd be flying and use powers and they'd swap. And there was no real consensus to how they swapped. It didn't make sense really, but it's not that in it ruined the entertainment value for me. It just, why are they swapping now, but not now kind of thing. It just didn't make sense. And Marvel, as we know, is full of loopholes in their products. Like people don't want to admit it, but Spider-Man No Way Home was one of the most loopholed films I've ever seen. Like you could drive cars through those loopholes. They were so huge. But that was the only real major loophole I saw in this movie was the, the powers and swapping. But I thought the story was really good. Um, if you want to know more about Monica Rambo, you can watch WandaVision because she was depicted on there. I still, having watched that and this movie, I'm not real sure what Monica Rambo is all about because I don't read the Marvel comics of these. But it, to me, it was a very entertaining film. I will definitely watch it again down the road. Is it the best Marvel film ever? No. Is it worth all the hate on the line that it's gotten? Absolutely not. And the reason people are hating it is because it's a female-led film. It has a Pakistani star and a black star. And I'm telling you, that's where the hate's coming in. Yeah. Because everybody wants to complain about being woke. Speaking of which, the trailer for X-Men 97 dropped this week. You know, I people thought. are whining about it being too woke. Uh, the X-Men, the whole point of the X-Men is woke. Yeah, like, because there was all sorts of people in the X-Men, all sorts of different races in the X-Men. Well, it's not only that, but the story is mutants not being accepted. Yeah. That's the story. Stanley based Professor X on Martin Luther King Jr. Stanley based Magneto on Malcolm X. This is one of the most woke projects ever, and it has been that way since the start. They're also mad that Morph, a shape-shifting character who can become anything, male, female, tree, whatever, Morph is now considered non-binary, and they're mad about that. What's more non-binary than a shape-shifting character? Seriously. People are looking for things to hate Marvel for these days, which 
it's nice to take some of the heat away from DC because they were hating DC for so long for everything they did. And Marvel was getting blind love. Now Marvel's getting the blind hate that they don't deserve. But X-Men I don't want to tell you who it is, but I don't want to tell you while we're on the air because it's going to piss off some people if they watch it. So I'm going to tell you right now. Listen, but anyway, the, the other thing I wanted to say real quick before we go there was on Facebook, and I just shared it a little bit ago. It's from a Twitter post from Touring Data. It says, Madonna's lifetime revenue has now surpassed $1.6 billion from 15.9 million tickets sold in 710 shows played since 1985, returning to the top spot as the highest grossing female live act in history. Well, good for her. And that's pretty phenomenal. I mean, one, it's only 710 shows since 1985. You're talking almost 40 years and she's only done 710 shows. Because show she's lazy. No. Some of those shows were in smaller venues as well. Like, remember she did the intimate tour that was Madame X. I remember the Madame X tours. I and think was, she did like little studios. Like 5,000 seat places. Yeah. And those tickets were like 100,000 seat places. And those tickets were like $3,000 a piece. <laughs> but, but, anyways, Madonna's back at number one, as she should be. Did you see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations? Yes, Cher finally got it. Yeah. Cher finally got it after she said she wouldn't accept it if they did nominate her. And she's right to be mad about it because look how long it's taken for her to get even nominated. She's been out there for 50 years. Exactly. And who got nominated this year? One of the worst possibilities. Mariah Carey. Oh, and she got nominated? Hmm. Yes. And let me just point out, you have to have your first appearance in the music world as far as the business has to be at least 25 years prior to your nomination for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Madonna, the first year she was eligible, was nominated and inducted. Mariah Carey came out in, what, 90? It's been 34 years. It took her another nine years to get there. She might have been 89. It would have been 10 years. All but, I got to say is Madonna better relish in that fact that she's got that much money from touring because whenever Taylor brings her tour over here to the United States, she's going to pass her. Well, again, look at the, the smaller numbers that Madonna has done. I, I'm wondering was, how many... Uh, uh, something I have to look up offline, but the biggest the... the biggest crowd that she performed in front of Taylor Swift was this past weekend in Melbourne, Australia, and that was ninety six thousand people. They have an aerial shot of that stadium. Could you could you imagine performing in front of ninety six thousand people? I would shit in my panties. <clears throat> Excuse me. Way to go, Paul. Excuse me. I said excuse me. I didn't plan for that to happen. 
yeah, it would take some some math to figure out how many live concerts Taylor Swift has done because I put up how many shows has Taylor Swift performed live in her career and it's bringing up award shows, TV shows and specials, radio shows and specials, other live performances. Yeah, and just think, just think she's she's only 34 years old. According to Wikipedia, her Fearless Tour was 118 shows. Speak Now World Tour was 110. The Red Tour was 86. The 1989 World Tour was 85. Reputation Stadium Tour was 53. And the Eras Tour is 151. So... You have to add up those, but it's, and it's just not a, hit and just a, it's not that far from it. So far, the Eras tour, she it's already made her a billionaire. Just this one tour has made her a billionaire so far. So, and she's only thirty some years old. She's going to continue performing and pumping them out, and which I hope Madonna does too. She's sixty five. I mean, she can perform. She keeps her stamina up and keeps her body in shape like she is. She can perform like Cher straight into her upper 70s, in which Cher's starting another tourist year as well. So in, in Taylor Swift's six tours, according to Wikipedia, 503 shows. That's only 207 less than Madonna's. Yeah. And again, I, I can't say what Taylor's tours were like because... I'm not a fan. I haven't really followed her. Well, guess what? It's coming into Disney Plus. Well, I still won't be watching. But the what? You're not going to watch Taylor Swift? No, the Virgin Tour played big stadiums and smaller venues at the same time. Like she was at the Silver Dome in Detroit, as well as a smaller arena or a smaller area in Detroit. And the again the the Madame X tour was 5,000 seats or less. Yeah. So Madonna has a difference there. And like I said, I don't know if Taylor has that same issue, but she's had 503 shows, whereas Madonna has 710 shows total. And so. The Will big Taylor thing about Maybe. Taylor Swift is everything she touches turns to gold, literally. This is like her just going to a football game. That's all she does is go see her boyfriend play. Three hundred and sixty-one million dollars has been has came into the NFL. Viewership of the NFL games has went through the roof, and dads all around the country is talking about how awesome it is to watch their football games with their daughters. I think that's pretty cool. Taylor Swift's performed at a lot of music festivals along the way. Yeah, she has. Lots of and a award, lot of those musical award shows. A lot of those music festivals are free that people get to go to. Eh, I don't think so. A lot of those music festivals you pay because it's a package deal. Some of them are weekend shows. Some of them are all day shows, like the Weenie Roast that was in Charlotte. They're well, the I'm talking about the one in, throughout the area. The big one in Nashville that they do. It's called the Fan Appreciation Day. That is free. I do know that. This is iHeartRadio, Wango Tango, BBC Music's Biggest Weekend, 
British Summertime, BBC Radio One's Big Weekend, Rock and Rio USA, iHeartRadio Music Festival, CMA Music Festival, iHeartRadio Music Festival, Cavendish Beach Music Festival, Bayou Country Superfest, V Festival, We Fest, North Dakota State Fair, Cheyenne Frontier Days, Country Thunder Festival, Craven County Jamboree, Commonwealth. I Center, remember. Country, and there's a lot more still. I remember whenever Taylor Swift was first starting out and she performed at the furniture show in as a free concert. And she's just a kid then. Well, and another thing to take into consideration as far as the tour grosses, Taylor Swift's touring at a time that ticket prices are much higher than they were back when Madonna was touring. Oh, yeah. Well, Madonna's tickets ain't cheap now. Not now, but 1985, they were a world of difference. True. Of course, I mean, you know. Were, the ones I got for Madison Square Garden in 2001, <coughs> it was front row of the Madison Square Garden of the upper level. And I think with the ticket fees, the facility fees, the ticket master fees and all that, they came out to $110 a piece maybe from an $83 ticket or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you can't take the fees and count it in. You have to take the base price of the ticket. So, I just again, like my, um, it was $83 then, now like $200. Janet Jackson's come back to Charlotte in June. And I thought, well, I'm going to get online and look at tickets for her. Uh, a decent ticket, about, you know, 18 rows back from the stage. $440 for a ticket. I'm not paying that much to see Janet Jackson. I'm sorry. She better resurrect her brother from the dead to come up there to perform with her scream. That's all I got to say. You know, that's, uh, again, any of them, they're going to be expensive. I'm not doing it. I'm not going. But with that, I believe we're done. Did you have any other comments you wanted to make? No, not, not one I can think of. No. No. Next week or next show, go ahead and plan on it. The marathon uh, movie, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. I've been wanting to watch that one. It is now on Peacock. It premiered this past Friday. So we will be watching that one. Yes. And like I said, I want to see the the Academy Award films so I can have an idea of what they are like. <sighs> but if you have nothing else, that's all I've got. So, all righty. Bye, everybody. Bye. Um, what was we talking about? Remind me. What was we talking about? Remind me.